Hi, lovely listener. Just a quick note. You're listening to an episode of the podcast, which was recorded before the show changed its name to Tea with Kings and Queens. So now you know. Enjoy. Tea with Queens is proudly supported by Grasshopper Designs, an eco-florist creating beautiful floral designs with minimal environmental impact. Grasshopper work with dried flowers, all sourced from British farms. To find out more, head over to their Instagram account, grasshopper underscore designs. Hello my loves, I'm Carly Deering and welcome to Tea with Queens, where I chat to some of the most exciting performers from the world of drag, burlesque and cabaret. In today's episode, I'm chatting via Zoom to international burlesque star Anna Philaxis about some of her amazing adventures throughout her incredible career so far. Enjoy! Well, I started my first episode with a very dramatic introduction of my guest, so I think I'm going to carry that on today, if you don't mind. So if you'll permit me, it's award-winning, international burlesque sensation, model, actor, axe wielder and assassin, Anna Philaxis. I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for speaking to me today. We're in odd times, still deep in lockdown in the UK. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, actually. Thank you for asking. Like you say, it's weird. I do keep coming back to weird. And I'm up and down like a yo-yo. I don't know about you, but other Absolutely. people are. And it's been really useful to see on social media other people being quite vulnerable um, with their feelings and honest. Because it's so easy to look at everybody else on social media and think whoa they're getting so much done and they're doing great Um, and at times when you don't feel so good um, that can be a bit intimidating so it's great when people are honest and and vulnerable about their feelings and it makes me feel like I'm not the only one who's up and down like a bloody yo-yo yeah absolutely okay we've we've covered lockdown let's move on to the the cheerful stuff shall we <laughs> yes please let's get into it there's so much I want to ask you about um but let's start if it's okay to talk about your origin story because you've been performing for over 10 years is that right yeah I think it's 13 ah. I really should do the maths on it um it was 2007 I believe Um, So my origin story is that I was modelling. I was studying radiography and one of the students in the year above me was interested in photography as well as radiography and he asked me to model for an exhibition he was doing. So I started getting a few jobs after the exhibition um, and one of the photo shoots that I was doing I was very, um, well, I still am quite a dynamic model. I don't really stand still. And one of the stylists said, what you're doing is almost like a burlesque. And I was like, what's that? Went to find out what that was and thought, well, that looks fun. Um, I'd like to try that just once. Um, And then I guess halfway through the first performance, which I've jumped a whole load of, stuff there but halfway through the first performance I had that feeling that a lot a lot of people do that sort of hit moment where you think this is not going to be the last time I do this and then it just went from there so how did you develop your character and name 
Um, well, it was always going to be something medical. Um, and my, I had my name before I started performing uh, because it was a name that I was sort of using while I was modeling. And it, yeah, it, it was just, I, I'm interested in um, medical things. I'm interested in anatomy and physiology. Um, I've got a little bit of a medical fetish, so it was, it was always going to be something medical. Um, at the time, I remember the two names that I was considering were um, anaphylaxis and belle indifference, which Very is nice. a, a condition. It is nice, but it just doesn't suit me at all, does it? It's not me. Um, so yeah, and I think that I was lucky because when I started out, I was just cheesecake, cutesy, silly. And the fact that, you know, anaphylaxis in real life can kill you, just luckily fitted in when I decided to move into weapons. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, you're really known for sort of bringing diverse, different elements to your performances, like Laxis of Evil, the performance when you're axe throwing. So tell me about that. How did you learn it? Why did you pick that? So I was doing a show in LA and on the bill there was a man called Jack Dagger. If you haven't seen him perform, absolutely go and look for his videos. He is amazing. He is an incredible knife thrower. And I was in the audience when he did his performance. I'd already done my act, so I was able to watch the rest of the show. And he's amazing. And I was terrified. Some of the things that he did, um, I, was, I was one of the ones in the audience that was like, no, he, is he going to, he can't be going, you know, that kind of thing. I was terrified, but also very inspired. And I spoke to him after the show. And it turned out that at that time, there was just one knife throwing club in the UK, um, I think in the UK, certainly in England, and that was about 20 minutes from where I lived. Um, it's, it's different now, there's lots more clubs now, but at that time there was just one and it was really, really small. It was part of a, um, it's at this sort of like outside place, I'm forget, oh, paintballing. That's the word I'm looking for, like a paintballing place. It was on the side of that. And we'd go there and there weren't many of us. It was just me and burly, burly older guys. So my teacher, he's an ex-policeman. He's like this huge strapping guy, sort of terrifying to look at, but really gentle. And he's like my axe throwing dad. Um, so we'd be all there and then people would come in. And one of the things the paintballing place did was that you could go in and be chased by um, alien um, that kind of stuff. It was Predator, that was it, Predator. So sometimes Predator would be running around, yeah. Um, but that's, that's grown a lot and like, like I say, there's more clubs. So if you want to learn to throw, please go to a club, don't try it at home. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, well, we talked about Laxis of Evil where you're axe throwing, but the prestige where you're actually making clothes disappear that was really something else. And that was something you performed for the Burlesque Hall of Fame in 2011, where you were first runner up. So that yes. was it, that was huge. Tell me about that and the inspiration for it. Well, I really, really wanted to um, perform in that show. I really, I'd done the, um, one of the showcases, I think in 2008 in the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And I really wanted to do the Queen contest, 
but I thought if I'm going to, I want to do something, I really want to push myself. So I decided I wanted to make all my clothes disappear and have the audience be able to see my hands the whole time. So I'd set myself a really stupidly high bar and it took me then two years to figure out how to do it. Um, the world of magicians is quite closed, so mm. I couldn't get any help from, from them really. Um, so it was something that myself and uh, my ex-husband figured out between us how to do. And like I say, it took two years. It took an awful lot of practice. Um, I'm an advocate of filming your acts and deconstructing them so that you can see what you're doing, where you're going wrong. And um, well, no, where you're going wrong is the, the wrong way to put it. But in something like this, it's very technical. So mm. that's why I say that. Um, I filmed and debriefed that act a hundred times before I performed it. And I think I only ever performed it on stage five times. Wow. But it paid off because you did so well in the competition. It did. <laughs> what? It was difficult to get over there as well. It was five suitcases and two packages the size of um, like internal house doors. So it was absolutely huge. And I'd got... I did everything really legit. I went to the American Embassy in London and had an appointment with them and got all the correct visas. But they told me when you get to customs in America, it's that person who stood in front of you can decide if they want to send you home. Mm -hmm. So that was stressful. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, what is competitive burlesque like? Awful. <laughs> <laughs> It's horrible. I, I had this discussion with Keishas last week and she said competitive drag is terrifying. So you're saying just a similar thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not have competitions anymore. It's no fun. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I've got a lot of feelings about it because it was very, very stressful and it wasn't fun. And um, the aftermath was quite unpleasant. Um, the aftermath online that I kind of watched and was not part of was really unpleasant because um, the winner had her act online and so did I. Um, we didn't put them up, it was a man who filmed them on the night and there were quite a lot of unpleasant comments and in the end she took her down and I was nothing to do with that but it was this un unpleasantness that was out there and I don't know. I felt like a lot of backlash came back on me and that it's difficult to explain, but I guess it's one of the things that ultimately led me to think I don't really want to be part of Western burlesque anymore. What a shame. Mm. Was this, were these comments from outside the burlesque community? I think they were from fans. Um, mm. So they were, you know, they were people who were involved in the burlesque community and supported me and wanted to see me win, I guess. Okay. Well, you give me the perfect segue there to talk to you about going to China and your adventures out there. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and going to Shanghai. I had never in my life wanted to go to China, never crossed my mind. But um, there was a weapon that I was quite interested in. There's a weapon called rope dart. 
um, which is often a rope with a sort of metal hook on the end or a chain and it's very dramatic and it's very beautiful and it's a nightmare in terms of learning it's hugely dangerous and um, again my ex had found someone online who um, performed a, a style of rope dart with silk with a very very long silk and this guy although he was American is American he still teaches and performs um, he was based in Shanghai so I went to Shanghai for six days and at that time it was very much like I gotta go to Shanghai um, don't really want to go there but I got there and oh my god I loved it and I remember the place and the moment and the feeling when I thought I want to live here yeah and then you did <laughs> how, how long were you out there for um, well, initially I was out there for just the six days and then I went back to train with Tom, Ninja Tom, as he's known, um, for another couple of weeks. And then after that, I was like, right, how do I get to China? How do I get to China? And I took on a few sort of one month contracts and things. And then I would be like popping back and doing a bit of language training. So in between my first visit and moving out there was two years. Then I moved out there in 2013. and lived there for five years and you did a lot of performing out there um did you set up your own burlesque night as well yeah when i started i went out there with the um um cirque de soir cirque de soir can't even remember the name um and so i was performing kind of nightly with them for a year and a bit and then they closed and i was not ready to come back so I'd already sort of started a burlesque school and when Cirque closed there was nothing there was just nothing so I was um I was friends with someone who had a performance venue spoke to him um and this was the old Buddhist temple turned sort of cabaret bar it's beautiful and so I started having shows out there at first with Lexi De Rosa, who was a performer out there at the time. And then with another woman called Holly, um, she's an amazing pole performer. And then finally with Ennis, um, Ennis FW, who is now in California, I think. And we did a lot of shows there together. Yeah. So what's the audience like in uh, Shanghai? How does it compare to other types of audiences? As this is a very naive question. Um, has there been much burlesque? You said you were the only club in Shanghai at the time. There, there hasn't. It's, it's just not a thing. But there's a lot of foreigners living in Shanghai. So our audience was made up of foreigners and fairly forward-thinking Chinese people. A lot of young Chinese people, couples, women. You know, the kind of audience that we have anywhere in burlesque it sort of attracts the same people everywhere doesn't it yeah of course but what was really brilliant about chinese people and performing for them was they have not seen this before so um there are places here if you go on the stage and do a boring fan dance people are just Ugh. over there you'd go out with a pair of giant ostrich fans do a performance and people are spellbound they will say to you afterwards how did you think of that amazing idea <laughs> and you have to explain to them how did you think of it? um 
And so you'd be on, there was a little cocktail bar I used to perform in um, towards the end of my time there. And it was very intimate, very close, a very tiny stage. And you do that thing where, you know, we've kind of all seen it here. You take your bra strap down um, and then you put it back up again, like, ooh, am I going to? And then of course you do, you take your bra off. But you do that in uh, China, in Shanghai, and you put the bra strap down and they're like, oh, no, she's not going to. You put it back up again and they're like, oh, of course she's not. Then you take your bra off, ah, amazing. So the reaction is just so intense and fresh. It's fantastic. So it must have been quite inspiring for you for new ideas and new performances. Um, yes and no. Um, in some ways, yes. But because I was performing so much, I, I was performing several nights a week. I didn't have an awful lot of time to come up with new stuff and come up with new costumes. And I was going to school a lot in the daytimes as well to learn Chinese. So although it was very inspiring, I didn't have the time that I would have really loved to make new things. And that when I came back here, along with the reaction that I'd had from Chinese audiences and the fact that things had changed here so much made it Oh, I am so out of touch. <laughs> yes, that was my next question. Kind of what was the culture shock like coming home and how did you respond to that? Well, interesting in terms of burlesque and culture shock in the traditional sense, because when I moved to China, a lot of the way of life out there made sense to me and I fit in quite smoothly. And I'd read online that reverse culture shock is harder than culture shock. And it really is. It took me a good 18 months. It's been just over two years now. And it took me a good 18 months to stop wanting to immediately buy a plane ticket and go back. And I, you know, still sometimes I hear myself, I make myself like I bore myself with my little narrative. Well, in China, in China, we did this. In China, it cost this. Um, and then there's the burlesque side of it because things had progressed here. And of course, I tried to keep in touch and keep up with it, but the internet's not massively easy over there. And if I'm honest, I really enjoyed being able to say, I'm on the other side of the firewall. I'm not going to bother with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, so when I came back, there are so many more performers. There are amazing performers that, and there are amazing experienced performers that in my mind, my mind's going like newbie. And I'm like, no, no, you have to think they've been performing for six years. You've mm. just been away. <laughs> um, and burlesque has moved on. I think in some ways people want different things and in some ways I feel a bit like a dinosaur it's strange it's really really strange but you bring so many fresh things to burlesque every time all your performances are so distinctive I think surely you're bringing a really interesting perspective now particularly having been somewhere so different you think so I don't know I, I guess I don't see it that way and I'm very conscious that I can't really bring anything of Chinese culture to my performances because I'm not Chinese. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, 
where do you see your main influences coming from now? Because you've obviously always had kind of the traditional Betty Page um, influences and you sort of pick and choose from the people around you, like you said, magicians, axe throwers. Where else do you find your inspiration from now? What excites you? Well, I guess in the past, my performances have been quite cutesy and quite cheesecake and non-sexual. And so more I'm now inspired by the more sort of aggressively and raw sexual side of performance. Uh, when I turned 40, it was like a light switch. Um, so many things sort of struck me and that is what inspires me most now. So tell me about your latest performance then, Enthusiastic Consent, because this sounds really different. Ah, well, this was one that, um, I don't know if other people do this. Do you ever have a sort of like conversation with yourself in your head where you're almost like having a little throwaway conversation? <laughs> and um, so I was at work. I have a day job now. Um, I'll, I'll need to explain a tiny bit about it because okay. if I just say I was in my cell, people are going to think something different. But uh, my day job is I'm a performer in a museum and it's uh, a Georgian jail and a Victorian courtroom and so we do Georgian and Victorian characters and I spend a lot of my time in the courtroom and in various cells around the jail. So I was in um, the night cell dressed as a 17th century highway woman who is amazing by the way. Do you get to keep costumes and wear them at home? No we don't however I have got matron upstairs um, we were allowed to bring one uh, home each for lockdown. Um, yeah, so I was in my cell and I was just having a little conversation with myself. And I thought to myself, what if I asked the audience for their consent to take off my clothes? And then was sort of, <laughs> what a stupid idea. And then, wait a minute, what if I did? And um, I suppose under the umbrella of being inspired by sex and sexuality, that fit in really well to what I wanted to do. And I think it's arrogant to say what I'm doing is important. That's not how I feel. But when I've performed that act and had people coming up to me afterwards in tears, I'm like, you, I'm doing this for you. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. So in that act, I do, um, I come on stage and um, I, ex I explain to the audience that I want to do this, but it's only going to be fun if we both want it. <laughs> and at any point, we can stop. We can go back to just touching. You know, we don't have to do anything. Um, so in a way, there's lots of different directions the act could go. The audience could say to me, keep it all on, you know, and in that case, people have said to me, what would you do if they don't want you to take things off? Fundamentally, that's absolutely fine. I would keep things on and I would just um, move on because in sex, that's completely fine. If you want to completely stop, that's okay. Um, if you want to take it a step backwards, that's okay too. Or if you want to power through. Um, and I sort of wanted to say all that in this and it's very, very simple. 
there's there's no whistles and bells to it but it just felt important to get it out there and what was it like using your voice on stage have you ever done that before I haven't done that before and that came as well from the performances that I'm doing at the museum because I do use my voice there so it doesn't feel intimidating in the way it would have done a year ago Um, I quite like using my voice in that sense now yeah so let's talk a little bit about your day job if that's okay in your acting um so you've got two roles now in your life where you're performing and sort of people pleasing in a way so what do you do in your downtime is it is it exhausting or does it do both feed each other well they they inspire each other so I've told you about things from my day job that have inspired me to speak on stage in burlesque and it's gone the other way as well right before lockdown um we do evening events sometimes in the museum and uh, we do a thing called crime club and it's where you do a sort of it's almost like what we would call a one-man show because you've got an hour and a half it's just you and I signed up to do one and then was utterly terrified because why would I do that (laughs) that's a long time (laughs) what was I thinking Um, and my subject was angels of death so I was talking about medical killers you know I said at the start I've got this interest in medicine and let's take it down a dark route so um, I wrote a sort of evening about some landmark cases and local cases um, and I was utterly determined to strip so, but I also knew you can't do that. So I went in in a nurse's uniform and stripped down. To I had another nurse's uniform underneath. <laughs> so, it was just um, to be ridiculous. But yeah, uh, downtime recently. I haven't really had any in the lockdown. I've been trying to find ways to take work online. Um, of course everything that I do is now on pause Mm. and um, yeah I've been working pretty hard trying to figure stuff out but I've not long bought a house which um, that's taking a lot of my time in a good way creatively Um, I'm really loving doing paint and um, you know making my house pretty really loving that you make all your own costumes Mostly, yeah. I've had some pieces made. Um, for example, for my Consent Act, um, oh gosh, I want to remember the name of the company, Kiku Boutique in Manchester, made the gown. Because sometimes I think you think to yourself, Do you know, I could make a gown, but I could spend £250 and have this beautiful thing arrive in the post, and I've done nothing. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you if you consider doing a digital burlesque show and then I think I noticed on your Instagram that you are. I think yesterday you're going to be doing Isolation Cabaret. Yeah, on Saturday, yes. So how are you preparing for that? Because to me, burlesque is all about sort of the interaction between yourself and the audience. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how that's going to work. It is going to be live, so... I don't know, but I'm imagining, like we're talking now, there will be some kind of conversation, in inverted commas, um, between the performers and the audience. But I don't 
No, and I wanted to do at least one while this is all happening because, you know, this could be the way we do uh, do live performance nowadays. Uh, sorry, in the future, or maybe when it goes back, we won't ever do this again. So I wanted to have done it. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see that how that's going to work. I want to bring um, my home into the performance. Yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking about ways that I can do that. Um, so you've, you've, you're on Patreon as well. Um, you're talking about sort of getting things up and running digitally. What, that's, what has that experience been like so far? It's really new. I've only started this month, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, I've just uploaded today um, the first burlesque lesson in two parts, which is about connecting to yourself. Um, and then I have a lower level, which is um, every Wednesday and then sometimes in between I'm uploading things that sort of inspire me. So um, the latest one that I've scheduled to come on, wait, we're Monday today. So in two days time, um, I open my little axe box and talk about what's inside it. So um, oh, I'm finding it inspiring. And I think that I don't want to use it as a way to just transfer what I do online but I want to use it to explore creativity perhaps in a new way that I hadn't thought of. So uh, where can we find you if we want to sign up to your Patreon and hear about your online show on Saturday where can people find you Anna? Well the the sort of most central place that you can find information on me um, that I post the most is Instagram and I'm there Anna Furlaxis uh, my Patreon is patreon.com forward slash anaphylaxis. Um, I've got a website, anaphylaxis.com. There's a theme. <laughs> um, or you can email me, info at anaphylaxis.com. Awesome. And, uh, and I'll reply. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Um, I hope very soon I'll get to see you perform in person. Otherwise, we'll be at the Isolation Cabaret. Wonderful. And I hope to see you very soon. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Hi again, it's Carly. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to find out more or get in touch, head over to teawithkingsandqueens.com.